Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic ministers and leaders today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today on the podcast, we have an interview going back to General Conference where we sat down with Dr. Eugene Wilson, and he was interviewed by our very own Dean of Christian Leadership, Reverend Chris Henderson. These two can geek out on the topic of leadership, and I am so excited to share this with all of you. Now, Dr. Eugene Wilson is president of Texas Bible College. He's the author of many books on the topic of leadership and building teams, including 70, Everyone Needs a Team, Realign, and others. Let's get right to this interview. I know you're going to glean so much, Dr. Wilson and Brother Henderson. We are here at the Indiana Bible College booth with Dr. Reverend, Reverend Dr. Reverend Dr. E.T. Wilson, Brother Wilson. Dr. Bro. (laughs) Bro Doctor. (laughs) Brother Wilson, thank you so much for joining us at the Indiana Bible College Booth General Conference 2022. It is a joy. Yes, sir. I've been looking forward to this all week long. I'm sure you have. I have as well. We can't wait to find out some wisdom for our listeners. If you don't mind, give us a little bit of your ministry experience. Of course, you serve currently as the president of Texas Bible College. Yes. Uh, are you still, I know for a while you were on staff at I Pentecostals of Katy. I still am. there. So walk us, how, yeah. how do you arrive at that moment? Kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up in Indiana. My dad pastors uh, a church still in Indiana. He's 77 years old. And so uh, pastored various places in Indiana. And um, my grandfather was a Sunday school director for 27 years. And I kind of wanted to like do my own thing. Everybody knew, oh, that's, you know, the mm-hmm. Wilson's boy or the Jenkins grandson. And so um, the Lord actually was dealing with me about this. And we moved to East Tennessee, passed for seven years, then went uh, to West Tennessee and served on staff for nine years. And the transition ended up in Texas. The Lord uh, directed us to Katy. And I can take you and tell the whole story. It's amazing. It was a God moment, uh, a dream in the middle of the night. And the Lord wow. spoke to me very clearly. I sat straight up in bed speaking in tongues. And uh, the Lord uh, directed me. <laughs> wow. And so I ended up in Katy. And then um, next thing I know, um, I'm at Texas Bible College. It's kind of crazy, little story itself. The wild thing about that one is uh, I've wanted to do this for many years. And it actually, um, I talk about it, about the need to write things down. Yes. And so I had, the Lord has spoke that to me very clearly to write it down. And it was in a dream. Back your dreams up by writing them down. And in your ear, your heart, your mind, you will know them, hold on to them, and you will perform. That was a word from God in a dream. Wow. And uh, when I woke, awakened from my sleep, I got up and I wrote it down. And so I had known I needed to write it down, but I had never really taken time to write it down. So um, a few years back, I went and locked myself in a hotel for three days. And I thought, man, I've always wanted to do this. I'm going to spend three days praying and uh, just talking with the Lord and getting direction for my life. I made it for a day and a half. I was going crazy. I had to get out. (laughs) But during that time, I wrote down uh, 10, 15, 20, and 25-year goals for my life. And one of those is I I wrote down I want to be a college president. And so when I received the phone call, inquiry about it, my initial reaction was no. And then I thought, well, I probably should consider it because I wrote it down. You wrote it down. And then... You know, the rest is history, so it's kind of crazy. And, of course, you've written 
several other things down, some of which we'll talk about here. Uh, the spiritually healthy leader, you and Brother Matthew Mullins wrote some things down. Yes. Where can people pick that up? You know, PBH is where you get the, the hard book. And mm-hmm. uh, if you want a ebook version of it, it's probably out now. Sometimes it runs two or three weeks later. So the book just came out. But it'll be on uh, Amazon and you know anywhere that you can download the ebook. And then the last several books, they've also done the Audible version of it too. Yes. So I think three or four books are in the Audible version. So and for people like me, thank you, because the hard book is great, but being able to listen to it as I drive down the road is just greater. <laughs> so I understand. As we say on a podcast, you know, the, sometimes that medium is, yes. is a little easier. I understand. In, in one of your books, you offer a uh, the ostrich effect from leading growth a couple years ago. You talk about the ostrich effect, which is people who are in denial of a situation or refuse to acknowledge the facts. And you name that one of the reasons that people refuse to deny it is because facts are negative. But what I've found in my ministry experience and, and then in a, the leadership capacity that I've been privileged to serve in, uh, those facts, when they confront you, actually cause a change in you, a growth, a strengthening, uh, a moment like when you wake up speaking in tongues in a dream. What, what other leadership struggles or strengthens or, or growth moments have you experienced in your own life? Yeah, well, that's a, a, a very interesting question. And um, I'm certain we, we need another full general conference to talk about them. <laughs> but, um, you know, the ostrich effect is, is very interesting. Confirmation bias mm-hmm. is a big deal. So one of the reasons why you will hear um, leaders and educators tell you to dig deep is because they want you to read. They want you to uh, discover and, and uncover things. And in that, um, you're, you're going to be confronted with a, an opposing view. Mm-hmm. And if you don't dig deep enough, all you'll find is what you already believe, what you want to believe, and you'll continue just to confirm that bias. And so digging deep causes you to just to uncover things that you would never uncover. And so sometimes that is a negative experience. It's negative facts. A lot of people want to shun those things. They don't want to go there. And then a lot of times just experiences. I mean, um, you know, what's comfortable um, is often, you know, what we've already experienced, what we've already done, what we've already mm-hmm. understand. Um, it's, it's what others that we hold dear to us have experienced or uncovered or understood. And that's comfortable to us. But to step into a totally uncomfortable zone is tough. And yet the Lord leads us on these growth tracks that are totally uncomfortable. I remember a general conference uh, about nine, 10 years ago it was in Houston. And um, I was setting up in the nosebleeds. It was a Sunday school at the time, Sunday school, children's ministry service. And it was during the day. The Coliseum made of seat 18,000 people. There were about 1,500 people there. And I watched a man walk up to the very front and stand at the end of the message. Ken Gurley was preaching. And the last 10 minutes, he stood there, maybe early, mid-60s, ball-headed. His hands were lifted up. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly. He said, go tell him that his daughter's coming home. And I said, God, I said, um, you know, what if he doesn't have a daughter? And then it was like, go tell mm-hmm. him. I said, but God, what if his daughter lives for you? She's not back, you know, we call it backslid. Mm-hmm. What if she's, you know, she's not backslid? 
And the Lord said, go tell him. And I argued with the Lord back and forth. And I said, God is out of my comfort zone. And, mm-hmm. and, and Ellen and all, well, I walked out of the building. I didn't tell him. I said, God, if that's really you, let me come in contact with that man. And would you know that night, uh, Jack Cunningham was preaching. He said, turn the person beside you, uh, in front of you and behind you and ask him, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? This is the beginning of his message. So I turned all the way around, shook different hands, asked him the question, turned back, and three seats over from me, in the, very fr- in the row in front of me, three seats over, was this man. He turns around and looks at me, and as soon as he looked at me, I was like, were you the guy that stood in front of the pulpit? And he's uh, today in the service, he said, yes. And I said, well, I have a word for you. Your daughter's coming home. He lifted his hands and started crying and said, thank you, thank you. So a couple weeks later, I was sharing this with a a lady who had been a pastor's wife. And she said, it's so interesting. Brother Wilson, she said, you keep saying it was out of your comfort zone. She says, doesn't the Bible say the Lord shall be our, talking about the Holy Ghost, shall be our comforter. And she just paused and I did what Mm -hmm. you just did. And when I did, the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to be so comfortable walking with me Mm -hmm. that everything else is uncomfortable. Wow. And so these are growth moments, you know, that that stepping out of your comfort zone, overcoming fears. And, you know, talking about being president of Texas Bible College, um, they went to do the the ratification. It's because it's owned by the district. And so they call me to the platform. This is my first time to greet the crowd. Uh, and this was last year. Well, the time before that, I was on the platform at Texas District. I was in 1987, and I was um, finishing up uh, a quartet tour with JCM. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had mm-hmm. graduated from JCM. I was singing bass. And so I walked up there on the platform and made some dumb statement. The last time I was up on this platform, I was singing quartet, JCM, blah, 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 blah. I walked off, and I was like, you big dummy. You know, I, I just, I really took myself to, to the, <laughs> the woodshed and uh, beat myself up over it because I knew that what I had just done was about a two on a scale of a one to 10. And then I was like, you know what? It's your first time. You'll get better with it. And the next time uh, it was about a three. <laughs> and so, and then finally you're just kind of like, man, you know, if you don't have those experiences and step out, you never grow. Yeah. And so the I'm fail, writing a the book. The failing forward. Absolutely. And I'm writing a book and, and also be willing to even somewhat fall backwards and mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, you're learning. And uh, so I'm writing a book right now, The Next Level Leader. Mm. And I'm talking about some of these things. So anyway, there are so many things to learn. So And, and when you, it's all said and done, this is about a growth journey. That's what's so fun. Yes. It's fun. And so you got you, you to gotta have a little bit of fun in the journey. And Absolutely. I think that's the big thing I have to remind myself, you know. Have some fun in the journey. Absolutely. Wow. Does that make sense? Yes. It made it made a lot of sense. It was very, very good. Um, because too often we do end up being so critical of ourselves and so hard because we missed it or we did this or didn't do that. I think we look for perfection because we feel that our performance is what's going to make the difference. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember, especially as church leaders, it's not about our performance, it's about his presence. Absolutely. And, you know, we can impress people with a performance, mm-hmm. but impressing someone is totally different than impacting their life. And, um, you know, I, I want to do well. I want to be, a, you know, a, a, a good leader. I want to be a good writer. I, I want to do well with what I do. But ultimately, my drive is not to impress people. It is um, for people to be impressed with his presence. Yeah. And if his presence can come through in the books I write, if it can come through in the things I say, then thumbs up, you know. Mm-hmm. 
I, when I recorded for Ministry Central for um, Realign, which is required reading for your general license, license yeah, and, and 70 for your ordinations, when I recorded those videos, uh, the, the guy who's helping me walk through that process said that of all the people they recorded, he said there was only uh, like two or three people who would just record. And I know I'm not a polished speaker, but uh, my take on it was is that if I want to critique myself on everything that I do, then we're going to be here all a night. A long time. And so I just, <coughs> excuse me, like I just coughed, you know. And so uh, you got you to move forward with it. So I just moved forward. I've never gone back and watched so <laughs> If I did, I'd be like, take those things down. Yeah. Don't, don't edit it up a little bit. Yeah, there you go. And that's, I think that's the authentic uh, side of leadership. Yes. Because leadership really is, it's kind of a buzzword. And it's, uh, you know, we've launched, of course, a, a Christian leadership program at Indiana Bible College. Uh, but what what is leadership like how yeah. how do you even quantify what's going into the leadership process do you have a succinct definition of leadership yeah. you go to yeah you know there's hundreds literally there, hundreds there of are. definitions my my favorite and the way that i word it i have two of them uh, my favorite is that leadership is influencing people um to to orbit around a common goal mm-hmm um, you know, to achieve a common purpose is how you could, mm-hmm. another way of saying it. And so that, that is probably my favorite definition. Now, Richard and Henry Blackaby in spiritual leadership, they say that spiritual leadership is leading uh, through influence, leading people away from self-agenda towards God's agenda. Mm-hmm. And I love that definition. Yeah. Uh, but the common purpose is a big deal to me too. So what I really like you know, the other definition, but the blend maybe between the yeah. two. And they really, what they're doing is defining what the common purpose is because they're limiting the yes. scope to spiritual Yes, yes. leadership. Uh, of course, Peter Northhouse is exactly what you said, the process yeah. whereby an individual influences a group yeah. toward a common goal. Yeah. And that's where I got and that from. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. Peter Northhouse? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you quoted it and I used my own words. Yeah. 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 And so the spiritual side favorite. of that. Yeah. It's yeah. such a good definition. And the spiritual side of that is, that common goal is, because there are a thousand common goals depending on what the company or the business or the ministry or the nonprofit is. Correct. And so... And I talk a lot, too, about orbiting around the common purpose or the common goal and then core values. And so I I like the word orbiting Mm -hmm. because you're constantly in orbit around it. And so the center is not the leader himself. Correct. And, it's the goal. and a lot of people will use influence. If it's just leadership is influence, which is Maxwell, very simple. But that a lot of times still can put the person, the leader, at the center, Correct. which then goes back to charismatic leadership. Mm-hmm. And yet it's really about the goal and the purpose, which is why I favor transformational leadership even over servant leadership, mm-hmm. in which a lot of people it's hard to have those conversations with, but I know I can have that one yeah. with you. <laughs> no, I would tend also, to agree. Yeah, I, I actually did a uh, symposium. I spoke at a, no, did a Dean's Lecture Series at uh, UGST. Okay. And uh, when I sent in my proposed title, it was, What's Wrong with Sermon Leadership? <laughs> they said, well, they, wait a minute, that's a part of our, uh, you know. And they said, you need to go back and, and tweak your title. So I tweaked it, and I was like, uh, how the servant leadership model can be improved. <laughs> and uh, I dealt a lot with the transformational leadership, which yeah. to me is about 
it's not about the person, it's about the purpose of the organization, mm -hmm. which um, Dr. Winston and Dr. Corne Becker, my instructors at Regent University, they did a research project and they went through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to uh, differentiate the different styles of leadership that Jesus displayed. Of course, we know he was authoritarian. Correct. Um, he had the parental uh, type of leadership. He was also a charismatic leader. They said that he had zero transformational leadership traits. But I'm like, no, wait a minute. You got to redefine the organization. I know. Well, you, if you re, if you like requalify or you know define the organization as the kingdom of mm -hmm. God. Well, man, he was a transformational leader Absolutely. all through and through, you know? Absolutely. And so I, I do like the servant leadership. You know, there is a place in, in definitely in serving. The problem with that is that if it's just simply serving, then I'm afraid we'll raise up a generation of weak leaders who will simply do whatever the masses want mm -hmm. the leader to do yeah. because he's serving. Correct. I think it's extremely dangerous. And, I might, yes. and I'd love to read, you know, Louis L'Amour books and the Wild West, all this stuff. And I remember being fascinated with the sheriff that would go out and would stand against the people he's serving and tell them, no, you're not going to lynch the guy that's in the jail. And he's standing good. out there with his with his six-shooter for the good. Yes. Yeah, and so the common purpose. Yes. And, uh, and so I think what we've coined, um, at TBC at least, is someone came up with this concept and they said, how about transformational servant leader? And mm -hmm. I'm like, ooh, I kind of like that. And of course, I wrote the book about realign. I talk about equipping leader. Mm -hmm. So I've been toying around the concept of, of equipping leader model mm -hmm. and that being a lot of the transformation. And of course, you know, transformational servant leadership, they actually, they overlap. Uh, yeah. Most of the part, it's very difficult to see the difference between the two. I think the biggest difference is the motive. And so the yes. motive, Paul said, I serve him, not you. Correct. And so, you know, I understand where it comes from because most people haven't studied the in-depths of the leadership. And, and so they pick up on servant leadership. Mm -hmm. Of course, Jesus, sure. you know, watch the disciples' feet. We need to be serving. And they run with it. But, man, I'm telling you, it's dangerous if you take it too far. Correct. And that's the beauty of Jesus. I mean, obviously, he's a wonderful leader. And he knows when to deploy or employ the different leadership styles. Absolutely. When he walks into the temple, he can't be a servant no, leader. No, he's authoritarian. He's, he's, he braided the whip and he yes. tossed the tables yes. out. Yes, uh, and get but, behind me, Satan. Yeah, I and mean, the woman at the well, he can't do that with. Right, So right. understanding when to use the right leadership style is crucial for our, uh, so our leaders coming forward. You can tell I get... I started talking even faster and louder because <laughs> I'm so passionate about it. My daughter was doing it. a project, and, and she uh, had attended online for a while at, at Urshan, and she did a project and uh, for servant leadership, and I spent 30 minutes dismantling it. <laughs> she interviewed me, and uh, she was laughing about it this morning. She goes, my dad tore it apart. She goes, I met this other girl that goes to some Bible college, and she said, uh, they got to talking about it. She goes, oh, no, you're safe with my dad. So he's already dismantled the servant leadership. I'm like, oh, that's not totally true. I mean, I do like it, but yes. in balance. Yes, absolutely. Well, Brother Wilson, thank you so much for your time. I've got one more question for you. Absolutely. If you could give one piece of advice to our listeners, which is primarily 25 to 30-year-old leaders coming into, almost really coming into their own as a leader, Outside of telling them to go read yeah. Difference Maker, which is another one of your books, phenomenal principles there. What one piece of advice would you give to 25 to 30-year-old leaders who are just kind of coming into ministry? How much time do we have? 
left. As much as you want. <laughs> the podcasters are touching their phone to see how much time yeah, left. Exactly. How, much, how much longer does he talk? When do we start? We've been going for 20 minutes? Yeah, thereabouts. Okay. So probably five, seven minutes. All right, I'll take five minutes then. I, I, the reason I'm asking is because I've been really deeply moved in just the last probably two weeks, two to three weeks. I'm, I'm working on this book um, that I'm writing right now called The Next Level Leader. Mm-hmm. And um, my chapter, first chapter is be stretchable. You know, you go to the next level. You can't be cookie cutter. You can't mm-hmm. be in a box. Uh, you go the, the the next one, next chapter is manage chaos. Uh, you know, you, you, you've got to be able to, to deal with it. Uh, my third chapter is um, do, but don't forsake becoming. Mm-hmm. And that chapter, I've been researching, digging deep into it. And uh, I found, in which I've talked about some of this in 70, you know, about the need to finish well. And um, and so I, I, I pulled research. I know that some research says that only 10% of those that enter into ministry stay with it throughout their life. And then I've heard of other reports. And, mm-hmm. and so I found this deal that said church leaders. Now, it's not specific for pastors. Sure. And so when I read church leaders, I'm like, okay, this is more broad. You know, I can yes. take these principles and make sure it's very broad for any kind of a leader. And so what it said was that only one-third finish well. Wow. So that means two-thirds of people don't finish well. Now we're talking about Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. And so then the question is, well, why don't they finish well? So the research was done by Robert J. Clinton, and there were, and it was back in the 90s, and it's hundreds of church leaders. So the, the follow-up research of that is what I'm reading right now. It's 198 pages of a research project. Mm-hmm. And I'm just absolutely fascinated with it. And they said that there are phases that a leader uh, goes through. And the first phase is that of formation. And so formation is that you're born, uh, you go to school, uh, you begin to grow, you begin to develop, and it's the formation of the person. Well, I, I'm thinking in my mind as I'm reading this, this is basically all the way through high school. Yes. And then you step into a, a phase in which they call the inner growth. And this inner growth is of, of a person. And it seems to me that this is what's taking place that 18, 19 years old, up into you know your maybe late 20s, early 30s. And basically in this inner growth time, you, you are now being confronted with the fact that, oh man, my personality, you know, I thought I was mm-hmm. perfect, but now I got a, a roommate got and I got, yeah. I'm running into some issues. Uh-huh. And, you know, it can't be all these people all the time, it may be me. And, and so this is inner growth. Well then, you, you're, you're involved, you do things, but now you're in your 30s, you start taking on some kind of a leadership um, uh, capacity where you're leading, and now you, you enter into what would be more of, a, um, of an inner growth, but as, as a leader. Mm-hmm. And so this is the time where the, you start experiencing some struggles yourself. You're, you're leading people, you're leading mm-hmm. organizations, you're leading ministries. And now um, you, you, because of all those experiences, are growing. And this is what they found in the research. They said that the reason people don't finish well is that most people never move out of that phase. Wow. And the reason they never move out of that phase is because all they're focused on is trying to improve doing. Instead of I want to be, exactly. Yeah. That's it right there. They don't focus on the becoming part. So at some point in time, the pressures uh, may be overextended and the list goes on and on. At some point in time, because they have not focused on becoming, they never, they never move on and many of them derail. Yeah. And, uh, and so 
the next level would be where that is what they call a convergence. And so now it's all of your experience, it's all the mm -hmm. formation, it's all the inner growth, it's all this leadership uh, development growth. Now you're placed into a role in which everything that you do, the power of it doesn't flow out of what you do as much as it flows out of the person that you've become. Mm -hmm. And so I'm reading that and I'm just like, oh man, I've been so deeply moved by it because at 56 years old, I would have to say that it's only been within the last year to two years that I am stepping into that particular role of convergence. Wow. So I have spent 35 years Doing. primarily in, in development of the inner person uh -huh. and the leadership development and I'm just now stepping into where it's starting to flow. And then very, very few ever get to the last phase which is afterglow. And afterglow is just that you've touched so many people and done so many things that people are just impacted, their lives are impacted by your presence. And I'm RK thinking people Roden like, Bush. yeah, and, and, and Absolutely. you know, I mean, the list goes on, all of our yeah. elders, I mean, all name them, yes. that have been, you know, great men of God, they just, it, it flows from them, so. Wow. It's amazing, so. I can't so. wait to read The Next Level Leader, for sure. Uh, well, Brother Wilson, if you don't mind, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball and just ask you to pray over the listenership. Absolutely. That they would be absolutely. who God needs them to be for where they're at right now. Absolutely. God, I pray right now that those that are listening, God, that you reach down and you touch them. They may be driving on their way to work, God, and looking at their life and thinking, God, I thought you called me for something more than this. And here I am headed to my job, and I know that you called me to, to do something greater. And God, I know, I know that your word proves it over and over again that you always have something more. It's something greater. And God, you gave a dream to Joseph. And God, that dream was, was a big thing at the time. But God, when you fulfilled it, God, you showed at that time that what you really were doing was trying to save many. It was so much bigger than what Joseph saw. And God, I know that even right now for every listener, God, there is something that's much bigger than any of them could ever imagine. I pray, God, that you give them the, the diligence to can stay with it, God, to stick with it, to, to grow. God, give them the humility, God, that the understanding that you exalt those that are humble. And God, we give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, Thank sir. you so Thank very you. much for letting me be a part Thank of this you. Absolutely. Today. It's Our a honor. pleasure. Thank you.